What if that nagging feeling in the back of your neck was real? What if those hands reaching out from the dark that you believed were there, were there? What if the monster in the basement really existed? And what if there was really something under the bed? Would you have the courage to face your fears? Hello, brave souls, and welcome back to Fear. I'm your host, Paul Rondeau, and in today's episode, we have part 9 through 12 of the Mysteries of the Cryptid series we've been working on. Just a little FYI, I've been posting all these stories over on YouTube as well on my channel. The channel's name is Baker2GD, that's B-A-K-E-R, the number 2, G-D. This was originally just a gaming channel for me, but has evolved into something else completely. So every Monday at 3 a.m., the Fear episodes are released, and on Fridays at 8 p.m., gaming content is released. So if you're interested in listening to this on YouTube, that is an option now. I'll put a link for that down in the show notes. But with all that out of the way, let's get ready for The Mysteries of the Cryptids, Part 9 through 12 by Bourne Beach. previously on The Mysteries of the Cryptids. Why would I do that, I said, screwing up my face in sensory overload. Tell me, Eric. Tell me why I would do that. I, Eric said, trailing off. It's dark, Nolan repeated, this time harsher, more fiercely. It's dark. I became acutely aware of him moving, darting off toward the way we'd come. Where was he going? Another roar, guttural, horrible, so close, too close. Something was running through the cave. Something massive. Please, Matthew, please. Eric, I screamed. Tell me. I'm one of them, he said quietly. A monster. Part 9. I shook my head. No, I was the monster. Eric couldn't be. There was no way. It didn't add up. He was too kind, too selfless. He was my little brother. Please, Matthew, I winced. My mother's voice nearly as shrill as the shrieks erupting from within the cave. My wrist was still in agony, and my head still swam with old, unbidden memories. Grandma's needle of medicine. Her calm voice telling me to recite the words. Wait, what words? Why? Focus, dammit! You're not the monster, I told Eric through gritted teeth. I am. I shoved my hand in my pocket and thrust the page to his chest. He took it gingerly while I did my grounding exercises, focusing on my breath. My sense of feeling. My sense of hearing. I needed to return to this moment. I needed to break free of my mother's voice, of old memories scraping at the edge of my mind. We weren't safe. We needed to act. Eric tore the piece of paper in half, throwing it to the ground. What are you doing? I said, feeling myself recenter. You didn't even read it. I don't need to, he said, shaking his head. I believe you. You believe me? Great. I was happy we were rebounding on a sense of brotherly trust but the situation seemed a little extreme to stop and smell the roses. Just know we're into this to The entire cave shook. It sounded like something heavy smashed in one of the walls. The tables rattled, dirt fell from the jagged ceiling, and a low pain groan wound its way through the cavern. The man, Eric breathed. He went to head off the beast. Seemed like it. At least now we knew where we stood with him. If we managed to survive this, it's Nolan, Eric. It's gotta be. How can you be sure? I grimaced the last remnants of my mental war fading to ash in my mind. Because I read the damn page you tore up. Now, I said, looking around in desperation. We need something to help us fight that thing. I think Nolan's going to re-need all the help he can get. But the lab was just that, a lab, and a crude one at that. It looked like a cross between a cult's conference room, with its various tables and strange pagan symbols on every wall and book, and a research facility, and its more beakers and embellics, I didn't see a single weapon, or even anything close to it. I tore across the room, flinging open cabinets, scanning shadowy corners, and upending desk drawers. Nothing. How the fuck? I shouted, gasping the edge of the table. Do you live in the woods making monsters, and not keep a damn shotgun to defend yourself? Eric was at a loss for words. He kept looking from me to the swinging metal gate, panic lacing his features. That was fine. I knew Eric wasn't the action type. He'd done this job well enough anyway. Now it was time for me to do mine. A monstrous scream rang out from the cavern, and then Nolan exploded through the metal gate. 
His massive wolf body skidded to a halt in the center of the room, coming to a stop against a sturdy table leg. He wasn't moving. The gate screeched into his death throes, swinging from a single hinge. We were out of time. Eric, I said, get under the table now. He shook his head, grabbing a scalpel from one of the drawers. No way. You're not facing this thing alone. Fucking hell, I thought. What was it with younger brothers and always needed to prove how grown up they were? How mature, I spat, really wishing I hadn't quit smoking. Cigarettes always helped me think. Footsteps rumbled in the darkness, nearer and nearer. I stood in the center of the room, framed my candlelight, and then I realized what a fool I was. The candles, I said, rushing to the nearest one. Eric's eyes lit up. Of course! We dashed about, extinguishing the candles in quick succession. When we'd finished, we both tucked ourselves beneath the table, waiting silently for the beast to enter. Each of its footsteps was like a small earthquake, deep and full. The creature's weight echoed through the cave, and then I heard the sound of groaning metal, followed by what sounded like bolts being torn from their anchorage. The table beside us burst into splinters, followed by a deafening clang as the steel gate crashed against the cavern wall. I clapped a hand to Eric's mouth, making sure he didn't utter a word. The truth was, I didn't remember a thing about the beast, only that it had come for us the night we'd seen the man, 12 years ago. I didn't know what it looked like, what its capabilities were. I just prayed it couldn't smell us. Another set of footfalls rumbled, slow, powerful, heavy. Sweat beaded from my forehead, and I swallowed, doing my best not to move or so much as twitch. Being so deep underground, there was no adjusting our eyes to the darkness. I couldn't see a damn thing. I only heard it. The beast's massive, huffing breaths, its low growls. I could hear it in the room now, stalking along the tables, searching. Our only option was to wait. Maybe we could slip by while it was looking for us, make for the exit. Thoom, thoom. Each footfall caused our table to rattle. And all those around us, not far from us, a beaker crashed to the floor. Then my entire body froze. Still so frightened, boys? The beast said, its voice raspy, unnatural. I'd have thought you felt confident at your last performance. The table next to us, where the beaker had fallen, exploded. Its wood fragments raining down atop our own with sharp sharp thuds. I slammed my eyes shut, waiting for death, but it never came. Instead, the creature's great footsteps moved toward the other end of the lab, still speaking. Why could it speak, but not Nolan? A question better suited for Eric, but now wasn't the time. I have to say, Maddie, the beast said, making my heart skip a beat, that I'm impressed. I never thought you had it in you. Its voice gleamed with malice. I felt Eric's shift beside me, and I knew he was as confused as I was. Had the beast seen me murder Jake? It didn't matter. We weren't having a conversation. We needed to get out of here. Now that the monster was on the other side of the room, I nudged Eric and began quietly slinking from beneath the table. He followed my lead. When you brought the rock down on my head, I was surprised. I froze, my body halfway out from beneath the table. Had he just said, but then you brought it down again and again. You bashed my fucking brains to mush. The beast chuckled. It's laugh inhuman, horrible. I actually thought you might have killed me. This wasn't possible. Jake was dead. His damn eyeballs weren't even in his sockets by the time I'd finished. I let it on an exhale, as calmly as I could, and then pulled myself from the table and rose to the field of pitch blackness. Next to me, I faintly heard Eric doing the same. Keep monologuing, you asshole, I thought. Your loud as fuck voice makes great cover. Another snap of wood rang out followed by the sound of splinters falling to the cavern floor. He was destroying every table in the room. And you, Eric, Jake said, causing Eric to pause next to me. I'm surprised you let Matt lose control like that. I'd have thought after your own experiences and such that you'd be much quicker to step in. I tugged at Eric's arm, indicating we needed to move. We needed to get the hell out of here, storm or not. I trusted my chances in the rain better than my chances with Jake. Eric resisted at first, his damn curiosity getting the better of him. But after a few moments, he relented. We both snuck along the opposite wall of the beast toward the exit. I was hoping I wouldn't have to kill you until after you turned, Jake continued, destroying another table with a grunt. The truth is, you're needed for the summoning. Always have been. Keep moving, damn it. I gently pushed along Eric. But I think I can make do with a stray hiker. Maybe an old friend from town. Hell, maybe your dear father. He's likely to put up a fight but turning him would be satisfying. Lord knows the jackass deserves it. A little further, I could feel the wall curving toward the exit passage, 
where the detached gate would be waiting for us. Nearly there. Something smashed against the wall beside us. A chair? Footsteps thundered, then silenced. I fell on my ass, ears ringing as something jumped in front of us, as he jumped in front of us. Jake let out a howling shriek of a laugh. Oh, boys, boys, boys. You actually thought I didn't know exactly where you were this whole time? His voice turned guttural, menacing. How do you think I found my way through the damn cave? A hand, five times larger than Nolan's, picked me up and I felt mad and rough furs scratched at my skin. Maddie, I always figured you were the lost cause, but after that last display, murdering your own uncle? I'm surprised you're not welcoming this opportunity to become greater. I kicked and punched the beast's hands, so large it fit nearly around my torso. Fuck you, asshole, I shouted, as if I'd never want to turn into a monster. Another ear-splitting, horrible laugh. Was this really my uncle? Strangely, Eric, Jake said, and I became aware of the fact that he probably had him in the opposite grip. I didn't think I'd take any convincing for you at all, or are you still pretending you didn't murder my sister? No, no way. Don't listen to him, Eric, I screamed, my body flailing uselessly against Jake's strength. He's trying to convince you to turn into whatever the fuck he is. Our mom died in a riverboat accident. I knew that. We both did. Shut it, Jake shouted, spit flecking across my face, and his voice so loud my head rolled back into the daze. His giant hand squeezed, and I felt my breath trapped in my chest. Don't hurt him, Eric said. His life, Jake said in a horrible, uneven, and gravelly voice, depends on what you choose. Eric, I wheezed, and Jake squeezed tighter yet, extinguishing my next words. I sucked at the air, but my chest was too constricted. I was suffocating. I can't choose that, Eric screamed. I never want to feel it again. It must be voluntary, Jake growled. You must say the words. Please, Eric said. I sputtered, rasping as my adrenaline-soaked body ran through the last of the oxygen in my blood. My vision blurred, limbs twitching in the primordial panic of death. Fine, Eric shouted, his voice more desperate than I've ever heard. Stop it. Fucking leave him be. Jake's grip fell away, and I dropped to the hard floor in agony heaving for air. Good, Jake said, disregarding me. Let's go get you some medicine, Eric. It'll help you process along. Jake's footsteps thundered away from me. The cave still cloaked in absolute darkness. I choked and wheezed on the ground, reorienting myself in the moment. Eric, I thought, though my voice was hardly there. Eric! I stumbled forward, following the mighty footfalls, following my terrified brother. Don't touch my brother! Now here's what we're going to do, Jake said. You're going to put this needle in your arm, and then you're going to speak his name. You're going to welcome him home. What? Eric stuttered. I heard him struggle, but knew Jake wouldn't let him go. His name, Jake growled. Surely you remember by now, or are your memories still as fucked up as Maddie's? Chairs scraped on stone, followed by what sounded like Eric being seated in one. Speak his name when I inject you. Say it. Predium. Put pre-dium? Eric, I said, slipping on the slick stone. I crashed to the floor and pain shot through my kneecap. No time. Ignore it. I pushed myself back to my feet, head still spinning. Eric! You're next, nephew, Jake roared. Wait your turn. I inched closer to them, my breath and senses returning to me. Who the fuck was pre-dium? Why was it so important Jake turned Eric and I? Don't you dare. Take that needle. I said hoarsely, don't. Enough from you, Jake's weight shifted, making the entire cabin rumble, and I felt him moving toward me. And then a shot rang out, and another. Gunshots. Light filled the cabin for two terrifying moments, as I watched the beast's mangled face, just inches from my own, drop wordlessly to the ground. I gasped, stepping forward. Wasn't sure if I'd get here in time, said a voice. Do I know them? A beam of light erupted from the entrance to the lab illuminating the shattered tables. My horrified brother and the beast, Jake's face had stayed as mangled as I had made it, with his bones jutting out as grotesque angles. His eye sockets sat empty, just two gaping, flesh-tinged voids while his long fangs were shattered, sharp and jagged things. Vomit formed in my mouth when I swallowed it. He looked like some kind of monstrous approximity of Sasquatch. Who's there? Eric said nervously. What's the matter with you? Can't you recognize my damn voice? The lights swung around, retreating from the room and framing the figure in the entrance. I blinked. Dad? 
Part 10 Long time, Matt, Dad said, holstering his shotgun on his leg. He stepped into the room. It looked like something out of a time machine. He looked every bit the asshole I remember he was. Right down to his knee-cropped hair, thick leather jacket, five o'clock shadow, and wait, was that night vision goggles on his head? Eric, you alright over there? He said, making his way over to him. Eric nodded, still pulling himself out of his panic attack. He gazed at Dad in disbelief, and I couldn't blame him. Eric hadn't seen him for two years, and I hadn't seen the guy in twice that. Didn't prick yourself with that needle, did you? Dad said, giving Eric a once-over. He took the syringe from Eric's hand, held it up to the light to make sure it was still full, then pocketed it in his jacket. Good. What are you doing here? I said quietly. He glanced back at me. Well, I was invited, wasn't I? I think he means... Eric began. Dad cut him off. I know what he means. Raise your arms. Good. Nothing broken there? Eric shook his head. The poor kid was an hour younger than me, but our father treated him like he was half my age. All right, how do your legs? Dad, I'm fine, Eric said, standing up. He looked shaken beyond belief. His body was still trembling with anxiety. I think Matt wants to know where you're here. And so do I. There was no escaping the question now. Dad sighed. A thick mitt of a hand pulled his night vision goggles from the top of his head. He dropped them on the table with a clatter and pulled out a chair with a screech, sitting down in it and looking up the dark. Stalactites on the cave ceiling. I got your text, Eric, he said after several moments of silence. I sent you one back, but you never got it, clearly. No shit, I said. When did you send it back? Out of curiosity? Because we started our drive at nine in the morning. Dad gave me a scathing look, his brown eyes colder than any blue. I sent it in the afternoon, when I woke up. Ah, there he was, drinking, huh? Oh, give me a damn break, Matt. Don't fucking lecture me on drinking. Eric shot me a shrug, and I got the picture. I really wasn't a bastion of moral superiority when it came to booze. Even still, I had more questions. So what? You came here as soon as you saw the text? Dad put his head in his hands. As if speaking to me was the most painful thing he'd experienced all year. No shit, he said, patting his shotgun on his thigh. Listen, I showed up, didn't I? Saved your asses. About that, I said, folding my arms and walking around Jake's motionless corpse. It was grotesque, with blood-streaked fur, massive feet and hands, and a set of jaws that made a tiger look like a bobcat. Looking at him, it was as if a bear had been mixed with a chimpanzee, with a bit of asshole thrown in. How did you find us? How did I? Dad leaned back in the chair, its legs creaking as he drummed his fingers on the table. He ran a hand over his scruffy face. Let's just say I knew about your dear grandma's eclectic interest, and yeah, he trailed off. A trait he and Eric shared. So you knew about this place, Eric said, doing his best to look Dad in the eye. And you never told us? I stomped over, not giving Dad a chance to answer. I needed to say my piece. Yeah, and you just walked out and left a bunch of fucking lunatics? Then you vanished. Poof, gone. Who cares, though, right? Not like we would have appreciated so little a goddamn warning. Oh, you wanted a warning, did you, Matthew? Dad shouted, losing his temper. A trait he and I shared. I did everything I could to warn you. Both of you. I told you to come with me. I begged you to. But no. You wanted to stay with your dear old mom. And honestly, Matthew, and this is on you, after all the fucking tantrums you threw, the bullshit you tossed my way, I wasn't willing to fight it. Not anymore. You even poisoned Eric against me. I rounded on him, towering above his chair. Took every bit of my willpower. I had not to sock him in the jaw right there and then. Fifteen years and he still couldn't take responsibility. He patted down his jacket, irritated, before reaching inside and pulling out a pack of smokes. Who's pre Eric said quietly. I recognized that tone. It was one I'd heard a thousand times before as a kid. He was trying to change the subject before Dad and I got too heated. pre Dad said, opening his pack and sliding a cigarette out. Is the Lord beyond the veil? He made a mystical, wavy gesture with his hand and spat a mouthful of chew on the ground. Your grandmother, Gail, not Beth, was obsessed with him. Some kind of death cult shit. He planted a cigarette in his lips and lit it, then held the pack toward me. No thanks, I quit. Ha! Dad waved out his match, taking a long drag on the dart before exhaling a plume of smoke. You're a fucking dipshit, Matt. But that's a good call. He pulled another long drag. Smoking's expensive. Not as expensive as night vision goggles, I said, eyeing the dark green lenses on the table. Where'd you come across those? He didn't so much as glance at them. A store. The fuck do you think I found them? 
Oh, now you're going to start another fight, I said. I'm not starting shit. He took another drag. I got him the same time I got the shotgun. When I realized I might need to use it someday. Thanks to your mother's bullshit. He nodded toward Jake's corpse. That's your uncle, I'm guessing. I nodded. Yeah. So you knew about that, too? Had a feeling. Christ, Eric said, looking around in a sudden panic. Nolan! Shit. In the chaos of everything, I'd totally forgotten about him. Dad, give me your flashlight. I held my hand out expectantly. He looked me up and down, as though incredulous that I'd even asked so lofty a favor as borrowing his light. You boys just say the name Nolan? Yes, Eric said. He helped us, and I think he might be hurt. Dad glanced around suspicious. He's supposed to be dead. The light, asshole, I said, reaching for it. He pulled it away. Hold on now, Matthew. Dad rose from his seat, clearing his throat. You mean to say your late uncle is here with us? I looked at Eric, pleading for him to do something. When it came to our dad, my opinion didn't mean a damn thing. Eric was the golden child. Dad, Eric said, stepping forward. Hand me the light, and I'll show you to him. A moment passed. All right, then. Show me the ghost. Eric took the light and swung it around, toward the center of the room where we'd seen Nolan crash against the table leg. Sure enough, his body was still there, unmoving. I ran to Eric, Eric following, the light bobbing up and down. Our dad took his time, still dragging on his cigarette. I fell next to Nolan's body, racking my mind to recall the first aid course from years ago. I leaned toward his jaws, his stench overpowering and listening for breath. Nothing. Not good. So, Dad said, coming up behind us and giving Nolan a nudge with his boot. This is the brother your mother mentioned. According to her, he died in a fishing accident. Clearly not this case, I said, frustrated. I opened Nolan's eyelids, and his yellow eyes had lost their glow. They gazed lifelessly at the ceiling. Fuck. I rolled him over on his back with all the strength I had, and then began attempting chest compressions with my one good hand. Somebody want to give me a hand? He's dead, Dad said. He flicked his cigarette to the ground. You're not a doctor, asshole. I hated that I was getting this worked up. I pushed on his massive chest, coarse with black fur. I pressed and I pressed, doing everything I could, but my strength wasn't enough to move his cavity a centimeter. Eric, give me a hand. Eric knelt down and Dad grabbed my shoulder and pulled him off. It's okay, he said. Your uncle's dead. Let him rest in peace. I fell on Nolan's chest, with the cuts on my face stinging as the tears slipped into them. He was the only person who tried to help us, I said, sobbing. The only one who tried warning us. Get up, Maddie. It ain't over yet, Dad said coldly. You don't get to speak, I screamed at him. You don't get to tell me when it's over. Everything was pouring out of me. All the hatred, the sadness, the regret. Everything like a tidal wave of emotion. You would have let them take us. He at least tried to help, and he died for it. Pull yourself together, Dad growled. If it wasn't for me, the two of you would be lying there next to him. I lunged at him, hating that he couldn't for once have a damn heart. He struggled at me, but I got a foot behind his leg and tripped him to the floor. We crashed against the cold stone, and my broken wrist screamed in pain, but I ignored it. I had one good wrist, and that was more than enough. I raised it up. Eric grabbed it, holding it back and keeping me from bashing my dad's face in. Enough, Matt! Yeah, Matt, my dad said, swinging at me from the below and catching me in the jaw. I rolled him off, dazed, and he clambered on top of me, delivering another short punch to the face. That's enough! Eric dropped the light and tackled him. The two of them rolled off of me. I sat up, shaking the stars from my vision, and I heard something move. Not Eric, not Dad. I glanced at Nolan, who was still motionless. Fuck! Stop it, I shouted. What? Dad said, finally realizing he'd been throwing a goddamn tantrum this whole time. No, I spat. I thought I heard something. I reached to the light Eric had abandoned, sweeping around the room. Everything looked as I remembered it, shattered and broken. I brought the light to the entrance, making sure no making sure no new cryptids were sneaking their way inside. Nothing. All clear. A massive form crashed in front of us, grabbing me by the length of my hair. I cried out as it lifted me up. My nostrils filled with the scent of blood, and it shook me, my neck feeling close to snapping. No, it said, furiously tossing me aside. I crashed through a table with, my, with a groan, my body too weak to move. I heard thundering footsteps, a shotgun blast, more footsteps, another blast, and then screaming, so much screaming. My vision dulled, my mind fading. No, I thought. Eric, I blinked, seeing only darkness. Every movement felt like I'm running a marathon, but I needed to move. I had to. Eric, I coughed. My neck craned upward, following the beam of light toward an empty entryway. 
In the distance, I heard shouting, crying, hollering. I heard breathing, heavy, brutal breathing. I heard Jake speak. By the time this is over and done with, I'm going to be a fucking huss thanks to all of you. But lucky for me, I'm built sturdier than a human. I tried to rise to my feet, only to stumble and fall painfully on my face. I groaned, rolling out of my back, while Jake continued. Like I said, Eric, I'm a product of progress, and let's make you one too. Darkness filled my vision, and I drowned it, lost in black shadow. My mind and thoughts drifted through a void, with only pieces of voices of moments breaking through. I'm so sorry, Eric. I'm so sorry. Regret and guilt swirled inside me. Good. That's the needle done. No, Dad had the needle. I saw him take it. Dad! My voice was nothing. Now say the name, Jake roared. Welcome him into you. Welcome him beyond the veil. I felt myself falling away, losing consciousness. Eric was crying, sobbing. Pridium. No. Part 11 I opened my eyes, hating myself. I'd nearly done it again, nearly lost sight again. I tried doing to my dad what I'd done to Jake, beating him until there was nothing left. I sat up and pain shot through my neck. Jake. He was still alive. How though? His face had been beaten to mash, and he'd been shot with five or six slugs. I groaned, rising to my feet. Darkness surrounded me, with a single beam of light piercing through and illuminating drifting dust. The cave. Right, we were in the cave. Focus, Matt. I stumbled to Dad's flashlight and picked it up. The light was fainter now, thinner. The batteries must be nearly dead. How long had I been out? I brought a hand to my neck and massaged it, feeling like I'd spent the night doing my best impersonation of an owl. Eric! I called, my throat dry. God, I needed a drink. Dad? My light beam swept across the cavern, revealing only scattered books and splintered wooden tables. The place had been demolished. Only a handful of desks and tables still remained in one piece, and even they that had their drawers pulled out and tossed. That's right, I remembered. I'd done that to find a weapon to fight Jake, and all Eric managed to do was find a scalpel. That was the best we had. Then Dad charged in and saved our asses. Until I fucked it up. I staggered forward, still feeling like I'd been hit by a Sasquatch-shaped truck. What the fuck was wrong with me? Jumping Dad like that? I tried to shake the self-loathing, but this time it was all-consuming. I'd really screwed us over. Jake had probably used our fighting as cover to make his move. And now Eric was paying the price. He'd been injected with Jake's medicine, and then forced to say Perdiem's name. To welcome the Lord beyond the veil. Whatever the fuck that meant. Didn't mean anything good. I knew that much. I swept the light to the summoning circle and my stomach dropped. Its runes glowed a dull red, casting a crimson tinge to the black stone they'd been carved in. Eric! I shouted again. Dad? No. God, no. I fell back at a wooden chair, putting my head in my hands. Where were they? Please, Matthew! Not now, Mom. Please! I screamed as loud and hard as I could. My throat felt like sandpaper, but I didn't care. I screamed and screamed until I was out of breath, until the voices in my head shut up and then I cried again. Even if I could find them, how the fuck was I supposed to help them? I picked up the scalpel Eric left from the table and stared at it. Hated it. How was I supposed to save them with this? Jake took shotgun blasts and shrugged them off, and all I had was a damn scalpel, a busted wrist, and something inside of me trying to get out. It's dark. I looked up, not sure if I'd probably heard. Was that? I brought the light around, scrambling from my chair. My sneakers slipped on the slick cavern floor. Nolan, I shouted, falling to my knees beside him. He was sitting upright, breathing heavy, and no longer the bipedal werewolf he earlier resembled. He was human again, or at least as close as he could be to a wolf mass fused to his neck. Are you? He raised a hand, then pointed to the scalpel still in my hands. Dark. Dark? I said, with more frustration than I'd meant. I felt so much angrier here on the mountain, like I was desperate for violence. I swallowed the rage. Breathe, just breathe. Scalpel, right? He nodded slowly, as if the act was painful in itself. What do you want with it, I said, completely at a loss. I wished he would just say some real words for once. Dark. He brought a finger along his neck, tracing the stitching of the mask. You want me to cut it off you? The mask? Another slow, pain nod. That made more sense than anything I'd heard all night. I shifted closer and then paused, 
My heart thrummed to my chest, and I could feel the rage boiling inside me, thrashing to get out. I thrust the scalpel toward him. I... I don't trust myself right now. You do it, and I'll help you if you need me. He shook his head. Fuck. He didn't understand. There was something inside me, and whenever I saw blood, it clawed closer and closer to the surface. It happened with Jake. It nearly happened to my own father. I couldn't risk losing control on Nolan. Not when he was all I had left. I grabbed his hand and put the scalpel to it. Just do. He recoiled with an agonizing scream, his body writhing. The scalpel clattered on the floor. I leaned closer, panicked. What had I done? He cradled his hand, and I saw scorch marks on his palm. The red seared flesh made an outline of the scalpel, and steam hissed on its snaking tendrils. You can't touch the scalpel? I breathed. The puzzle piece forming in my mind. But you could touch the iron gate. A decade of monster lore swam in my head. Is the scalpel silver? It's dark. Hold still, I said, doing my best to steady his head with my broken wrist. I used my good hand to make an incision along the mass stitching. His body jerked and seized as the blade sliced through the threads, and in some places, his flesh. Nearly there, I said. A thin trail of blood wound its way from his neck from down to his chest, and I did my best to ignore it. Thankfully, the rancid smell of his wolf mask made a good mental anchor and helped me stay in the moment, avoid the pull of whatever was inside of me. Please, Matthew! There, I said, cutting the last pieces of the mask free. I pocketed the scalpel. His skin was searing around the incision points, and his whole body trembled in pain. Sorry. That should do it. He raised his hands to his mask and lifted it slowly. The glow from his eyes faded, and the mask itself seemed to droop, the flesh sloughing from the skull and rotting away. I helped him raise it off entirely, and we dropped it to the floor. The man beneath looked a lot like Jake. He had a wide jaw, a mess of hair, and a short beard. His plaid shirt had been torn away during his previous transformation, but he still had those same jeans that Jake wore, faded from hours outdoors. It occurred to me that Jake probably gave him his clothes. Thank you, he said quietly. You can talk now? My heart raced. I had so many questions. He nodded, swallowing. I can He ran a hand along his neck, where the mask had been cut free. Only silver can undo those bonds. I'd tried cutting it before, but they healed too quickly. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah, I said. Of course. I looked down, guilt bubbling in my chest. Thank you for everything, but he got Eric, my dad, too. Yes. I thought that he might. He's much stronger than I am. Do you know where he's taken them? A small ember of hope had began to burning inside of me. Nolan must know. He's been here all along. Because we need to get over there now. He summoned per diem, Nolan said, rising on his shaky legs. Yes, I'm well aware of everything. The mask prevented me from speaking, not listening. He ran a hand over his ribs, breathing deeply and wincing. I'm afraid without the mask, I won't be much help in a fight. But that's not what you need right now. You need information, and I can help you with that. Hand me your light. I did, and he brought it to a rest in a broken cabin in the back corner. That'll be it. He handed the light back to me and limped toward it. I followed. Per diem is powerful. Perhaps too powerful to stop. But we may be able to save Eric. And my dad? Nolan didn't answer. Reaching the cabinet, he rested his body against it for a moment, taking several deep breaths. His face looked a great deal worn than Jake's, with deep lines framing his eyes and a sallowness to his cheekbones. He looked like he was dying. I'll just be a moment, he said, just catching my breath. My brother... He did quite a number on me. He's insane, I said quietly. A question ate at me, and I decided I had to ask. It might be the only opportunity to learn the truth. Is this... Is it really Grandma's doing? Nolan smiled. A good question. He pulled a book from the shelf and began flipping through its pages. In early life, my mother was a writer. She loved the paranormal, cryptids, ghouls, and the like. And I, well, I was her biggest fan. He grunted, tossing the book and plucking another. He licked the tip of his thumb and cycled a few pages. I loved reading her stories. They enthralled me. Ah, excellent. This should be the proper text. He let his body slide down the cabinet, his fingers running across the page. I held the light above him. I spent ten years in university studying medicine, and then when I returned, she was a different woman. Strange. Like something had gotten to her. Gotten to her? I sat down next to him. This was a side of my grandmother I never knew. A side of my family I never knew. Mom really spoke about anything that happened before Eric and I were born. 
She'd been obsessed with per diem at the time. I thought it was a bit artistic madness. You know, method acting, perhaps. Getting into character for another one of her stories. He laughed, each chuckle accentuating by a wince of pain. When she asked for my help with the science behind creating cryptids, well, I thought she was crazy. But she showed me a library of books she collected. He paused, taking a raspy breath. They described incredible things, things that shouldn't be possible. I stared into the dark of the cave, my voice barely a whisper. You helped her make you, make Jake into what he is. My curiosity overcame my ethics, I confess. I agreed to another winds of pain. Attempt to experiment, but on the grounds would be done to me and me alone. He hung his head. It wasn't perfect, partly because I'd disregarded several aspects of the book that sounded too hokey for me, too ridiculous. I made myself into a werewolf, but an imperfect one. One who could never fully stop being a beast. He looked at me, sunken eyes tired and remorseful. When I saw you boys up there, I wanted to kill you. I felt compelled to. I swallowed. But I didn't, he continued. I'm not sure what changed, but after seeing you two, a piece of me returned. A small sliver of humanity. Perhaps I decided to try and warn you later that day by the river. Of the dark. Of my mother's intentions. The book, I said. Mysteries of the Cryptids. Yes. He was flicking another page. I'd stuffed some of her research notes into an old novel she'd written. My hope was that if she saw you with it, she wouldn't grow suspicious. He tapped at the center of the page. Ah, here it is. The Light of Per Diem. Give me a moment, please. I need to read this carefully. I did, using the time to reflect. Ten minutes ago, I'd nearly given up, but then Nolan had given me hope. He'd saved me all over again. Whatever was in that book, he seemed to think was a real shot at helping fix this disaster. I believed him. There was hope for Eric. Hope for my dad. We could do this, put things back to normal, and get off this goddamn mountain and turn this whole experience into exactly what it deserved to be. A repressed memory. I just needed to know what to do. It's as I suspected, Nolan said a short time later. The summoning requires an amount of offerings, or cryptids to put it simply, four of them, in a host. That would be your brother, or you. He shot me a weary, weary smile. I don't understand. Is that good or bad? Well, Nolan said, leaning back and resting the map on his lap. Without the mask, I've lost my ability to heal from my wounds. All this to say that I'm dying. I should thank you that I'm dying as a man. I suspect that when I leave, he let out a wail and clutched his side. Are you okay? I said, realizing what a stupid question it was. Jake had thrown him half the length of a football stadium. His insides were probably damn near mush. Dying still, he said with a wry grin. But all right otherwise. As I said, when I leave, his offerings will be one short, and Jake's summoning will be unsuccessful. Wait. I stood up, looking at the runes on the ground. I thought they'd already summoned him. Yes, Nolan said. They have. He's on his way. But crossing worlds is not as easy a task, at least according to these old tomes. He patted the book on his lap. I suspect Jake's taken them to meet the Lord beyond when he arrives. Isn't that here? I said, staring at the summoning circle. Isn't he arriving in this circle? The cabinet creaked as Nolan leaned back against it. His head rested on the cupboard door and, the, and he closed his eyes. Think of the circle as a telephone. It's a way of communicating that their terms have been met. Everything I've read about Per Diem would indicate him to be a prideful being, one who would be loath to enter this world through a dirty cave. He took a difficult breath. When I die, Jake's terms will be broken. Per Diem won't grant him an audience. Great, no Per Diem. That still left one massive problem. Nolan, I said desperately. How do I stop Jake? How do I help our family? Silver, Nolan grimaced. Haven't you been paying attention? He gave me a grim smile. The trouble, of course, is getting the silver into my brother's heart. That's putting it lightly, I muttered. I doubted the scalpel was long enough to even reach his heart. Once my brother realizes, he said slowly, his words spaced by flinches of pain, that the summoning is being prevented by something, he's likely to realize I've passed on. I don't know what happens then. He's unpredictable at the best of times. He coughed more blood and inspected the book in his lap. What do I do, I said. There wasn't much time left, and there was so much I still didn't know. I can't kill Jake with a scalpel. How do I stop this? His head rolled to the side, 
looking towards something in the dark of the room. Operating table. Beneath it. My father's dagger. Grandpa's dagger? Eric and I hadn't known much about our late grandfather. Only that he'd been an archaeologist in life. I stood, casting the light in the direction Nolan looked. Sure enough, there was an operating table there. Though it felt generous to call it such. It was really more of a slab of wood with some leather straps dangling off it. Is the dagger silver? Nolan nodded. Not much, but it'll have to do. Now go on, get a hard start on me. There was one last thing I had to know first. Something important. When I was younger, Grandma gave me some of that serum. Why hadn't I changed yet? If she only gave it to you once, it wouldn't be enough. He took a moment to catch his breath. It takes several doses to induce the transformation. Then I'm not a cryptid? He shook his head. I sighed, relieved. There was one terror I could put to rest, at least for now. Thank you, I said, quietly. The truth was I had so much to say and no time to say it. I wanted to tell him that I was sorry for thinking he was a monster, that I was sorry for attacking him with a fire iron, that he had done more to me, for me than he could ever know. But I didn't have time. You're a good man, I said, rising to my feet. Please know that. I hoped it was enough. It was a terrible feeling leaving my uncle to die here, in the cold darkness where his nightmare had been born. There wasn't any time. When this was finished, I'd come back and pull him out, give him a proper burial. But right now there's still lives I could save. Lives I needed to save. I made for the exit. Matthew, Nolan wheezed. I paused, turning my ear toward him. Don't listen to the voices. The forest was quiet at night. No sound of deer, no sound of birds, and not so much of a chirp of crickets. I sprinted through the woods, avoiding the main trails and sticking to the brush. Bramble and nettle clotted my jacket. Branches hung low and caught, my, caught me in the face, and the dirt wet from the storm shifted my every step. It didn't matter, though. I knew where I needed to be. The cabin was where all this had begun. It was where Jake had ambushed us earlier, and perhaps it was where he intended for all this to end, too. Except this time, I was the one running the, I was the, one running the ambush. Grandpa's dagger swung at my waist, hanging off the belt and smacking my thigh with every stride. While it was a good deal longer than the scalpel, it certainly wasn't ideal for fighting a 12-foot Sasquatch. Still, it was all I had. Truthfully, I doubted the silver broadsword would have made me feel any more confident. I was terrified either way. On the glass half-full side of things, it had stopped raining. The temperature felt a good deal warmer, too, although I suspected that it had something to do with this, me sprinting in a leather jacket. Above, though, the storm clouds still loomed, heavy and gray, and they'd shifted enough to mask the mood entirely. The forest was shrouded in near-total darkness. Thankfully, Dad had saved my ass again. I brought a hand to my face and adjusted his night vision goggles, seeing a landscape of greens and blacks. Normally I'd be concerned about the lenses drawing attention, but I knew Jake couldn't see. Not after I gouged his eyes out. He did, however, seem to be able to smell us. I reared back my head and spat out a mouthful of mud. I'd rolled around in a puddle of it outside the cave, drenching myself head to toe in muck and grime, and I'd managed to get absolutely everywhere. Disgusting? Yeah. But maybe enough to mask my scent. At least until I got close enough to stab Jake, or something. Stuff to think about when I got there. Eric was the planner, not me. I operated more on instinct, and I hoped those instincts would serve me better than they had in the cave. All of us were relying on it. It didn't take long to reach the cabin. I slunk along the last leg of the journey, careful not to make any sounds. Since I'd figured Jake's ears were still in working order, through the trees, I saw a weak light spilling from one of the windows, though no sign of any movement. I needed to get closer. I glanced about, making sure the area was clear. To my left, there was only Grandma's old spinach patch, and beyond that was the walking thread of the river. Good. To my right, the beat-up car, and the road that led down the mountain. Good. Wait. I focused my goggles down the railway. Was that a fender? No, that was an entire truck? Its front end jutted out of the bushes a short way down the road. No doubt about it. That was Jake's. I wanted to fist-pump the air. But I composed myself. Maybe we didn't need to fight Jake after all. If the three of us could get in the truck, we could almost definitely outrun him. Then we'd just come back in the daylight and deal with the things once his transformation had worn off. Perfect, I whispered. First, though, I needed to get Eric and Dad. The hard part. I dashed across the clearing and pressed myself against the cabin's wall, moving along in the kitchen window. The light that spilled from it flickered, as if cast by candle. I pulled the goggles off my head and peered inside. Nothing. Shit. The place looked exactly as I remembered it. 
right down to the chair that I'd busted the window down with. All right, I thought. No need to panic. Somewhere else then. Maybe Grandma's bedroom. Or the living room. I crouched back down, slipping along the front of the cabin. Its entrance had been torn apart by Jake's previous visit, its front door missing and its entire vestibule sagging. Even the steps that led up to the front porch were cracked and broken, probably not built to withstand the weight of a wear sasquatch. I froze. There was a sound coming from the cabin. It sounded like moaning, long, anguished groans. Fuck. I slipped past the front door, following the sounds along the side of the cabin. It was a few feet away from the dark window to the living area. That's where the sounds were coming from. I flicked on the night vision goggles, orienting myself beyond, beneath the window. I wanted to do this as carefully as I could. I slowly rose my head, peering inside. The fireplace was empty, just as I remembered, and I could see bits of Griff's cracked skull where I'd dropped it earlier. The wicker chairs were there too, along with boxes of Grandma's things, and... And there, near the far wall, Dad sat in a chair. A rope zigzagged across his chest, lashing him to a seat. I scanned the rest of the room. No sign of Eric. No sign of Jake, either. I gave the window a gentle push, and it slid. Good. Unlocked. Made sense. What did Grandma have to fear out here? She was the one making the monsters. I opened the window quietly, so quietly the dad hadn't noticed. His head lolled in the chair, his eyes distant and spacey. The guy looked exhausted. I took another look around, double-checking. I was in the clear before raising up onto the windowsill. Once I was on it, I slowly lowered myself to the hardwood floor, again scanning the room. Nothing, just Dad and I. So good so far. My footsteps creaked on the floorboard and I froze. Shit, my heart raced. Was Jake here somewhere? Had he heard that? My hand rested on the hilt of the silver dagger instinctively. Please, Matthew, shake it off. Please! Nothing. Either nobody heard the sound or nobody was here. I made my way to my dad, lifting the goggles off my eyes. Dad! I whispered, untying the ropes holding him to the chair. Where's Eric? No answer, just groans. He rolled his head back, eyes milky white. Dad! I gave him a gentle smack on the face. He looked drunk, wasted. Seriously, we need to leave now. Another long groan. Dad, are you okay? I let the rope drop from my hands, taking a step back. I recognized those eyes. I'd seen them before. I took another step and something snapped beneath my foot. I looked down. A syringe. Three of them. No. Matthew, Dad rasped. The river. Part 12. I stared at my father in disbelief. It felt wrong seeing him like this. Glassy-eyed, groaning, and hardly able to keep himself upright. He had always been such a force in my life. Or at least an immovable object. Nothing seemed to sway him. He was bulletproof. Now, though, freed of his ropes, he groaned and my body lurched forward. I caught him as he fell, and something slipped out of his open jacket. The syringe. I'd thought Jake used it to inject Eric. But this one was full. No, of course Dad wouldn't give it to him. He'd never jeopardize Eric's life. The lab had probably been full of doses like this one, and Jake had taken his pick while I was unconscious. I helped Dad onto the floor, laying him onto his side he could, couldn't fall again, or choke on his vomit if he came to it. Then I looked back to the needle. My heart thundered as I reached for it. It takes several doses to induce the transformation. Nolan's words echoed in my head as I gripped the syringe. An emerald green fluid swam inside it, the tip of its needle covered with a thin plastic cap. I swallowed, looking back to my dad. He lay on the floor, a trail of spittle falling from his open mouth onto the hardwood. Every few moments he would twitch, sometimes his legs, sometimes his arms, sometimes his neck. Is that what the serum did to him? I slipped it inside my jacket. Jake knows, I said quietly. I wasn't sure if it was talking to myself or him. That's why he's done this to you. He knows no one's dead, so he's turned you into one of them. I became aware of the weight of the dagger in my belt, the feeling of his cool silver against my thigh. He needs you to summon Pratium. I couldn't let that happen. Dad's eyes rolled in the back of his head, but I knew he was looking at me, or trying to. His voice was nearly gone. Barely then, barely there beneath the moans of pain. He was becoming one of them, a monster. Matthew, he said. Please. I raced through the woods, hardly aware of the bushes and brambles scratching my face. I knew where I needed to go, now, beyond any shadow of a doubt. The river was where we had met Nolan. 
It was where he'd given us the book. It was where our nightmare began. And it was where it would end. I leapt over a fallen tree, landing in a puddle of mud with a cold splash. I shivered as it sprayed up and over me, but the sensation was gone as soon as it had come. I didn't have time to be cold, to be distracted. I needed to get to Eric. At my pace, and with the help of my night vision goggles, it didn't take long to reach the river. When I did, I positioned myself behind a large, thick berry bush. At my proximity, it was enough for me to see through the bramble, but not enough to see at a distance. I twisted the focus in the goggles, zeroing them in on the shore. Eric stood just short of the water, his back to me and his hands at his side. He was as still as a tree, and silent, gazing out over the dark river. I parted the brush enough to get a clearer view of the shoreline. No sign of Jake. Damn. Without seeing him first, I couldn't prepare for him. And if I couldn't prepare for him, then I didn't have a chance. I chewed my nip nervously. Maybe Jake wasn't here. Maybe he'd gone off to do something for his bullshit ritual and left Eric alone. Maybe I could approach Eric now and the two of us could get into Jake's truck and tear out of here. No. That would be too easy. Too obvious. Besides, Jake knew I was still alive. And if he wanted me dead... He would have made sure of it. Was he waiting for me then? Fuck. I was always horrible when it came to parsing through the planning shit. I stared at my brother for several moments, wondering what he would do when the roles were reversed. Then a thought struck me. Why wasn't he running, trying to make a break for it? Eric was all alone out here. Unless he wasn't. A twig snapped in the distance, somewhere along the riverbank, and the hairs in the back of my neck stood on end. I swallowed, holding onto the dagger with a vice grip. Another snap of a branch, followed by the shuffling sound of, of parting brush. Jake lumbered through the other end of the tree line. He carried a black bag, tucked neatly under one of his massive brown arms. Christ, he looked rough. His eye sockets were two red gaping holes while his body was covered in fur matted with layers of crimson. My heart raced in anticipation. I had them both in my sight. Now, I just needed an opening. An opportunity to plunge the dagger into Jake's heart. Easier said than done. Can you feel him, Eric? Jake said, his voice more raspy than before. The shotgun blast may not have killed him, but they seemed to have slowed him down. He sounded pained, and his movements looked sluggish. He stopped short of Eric and dragged the garbage bag on the stone shore with a dull thump. He's on the way, nearly here. He leaned down and untied the top of the bag with a sigh. When this is over with, you'll thank me. It's a real honor, I'm telling you. Eric didn't say anything, but slumped his head forward. His silhouette stark in the black of the night. Looked like a portrait of defeat. He'd given up. Maybe he had the right idea. I was too stubborn, though. By about ten miles. Jake reads inside the garbage bag and pulled something out. Something large. I narrowed my eyes at it and then choked back a wretch. It was a corpse. One mostly rotten. His flesh blue and black, with a fungus growing all over his face. And I knew that face. Ma would have wanted to see this, Jake explained to Eric. She spent her life trying to make it happen. I brought a hand to my mouth, feeling sick to my stomach. That was Grandma's corpse. Had he kept it the whole time? What if we buried at the funeral? There, he said, sitting Grandma against a large rock. I told you I'd make it happen, Ma. He ran a finger through her brittle, gray hair, and then slowly lowered himself next to her. Soon you'll be able to rest, Ma. I swear on that. I recoiled, the sight making me nauseous. Jake was more monstrous inside than out. First, he killed Grandma and now he was parading her corpse around like a doll of kids at a kid's tea party. I squeezed the dagger and took a deep breath, then another. I could do this, I told myself. I have to do this. It didn't seem like there'd be a better opportunity. The way he sat now, looking toward Eric and the river, meant his back was to me. The trouble was, he was sitting at a dam near the center of the stone shore. Getting over there without a sound would be hard, maybe impossible with the rocks wet from the storm. They were likely to slip and shift. Damn, think, Matt. I ran a hand through my hair, considering the various ways the scenario might play out. In each of them, Jake turned around, found me, and beat me to death. I looked to Eric, who remained as still and silent as ever. If our roles were reversed, he'd have known what to do. That was his whole shtick, planning shit out and not paying the price for being an impulsive moron. Still, it was a role somebody had to fill. I said a quiet prayer and then moved from the brush as silently as I could. The forest floor was loamy and soft, ideal for my sneakers to live up to their namesake. The stone beach, on the other hand, I paused upon reaching it, gazing forward with their goggles. Jake still hadn't moved, 
though it sounded like he was whispering something to Grandma's corpse. A shiver ran through me and I ignored it. This was far from the weirdest shit I've seen all night. Shake it off, Matt. I stared at the slick stones and swallowed. One stray pebble clacking against another one would quite literally jeopardize everything. I had to do this carefully, perfectly. Go on, Eric, Jake said, the sound of his voice nearly making my heart beat on my chest. Welcome him home. I... I don't think we should, Eric said. Have you thought this through? What do you really know about per diem? His voice was uneven, stuttering and anxious. Good. I meant he was still my brother. I've thought about this for decades, Jake growled. I know you're a good kid, Eric. I know that. Which is why I made you his host. His massive furry hand tussled Grandma's decaying hair. Ma always felt it should be have been Maddie, but he's too much of a shit, you know? Per diem. He deserves the best. Eric whimpered his fingers dancing at his sides. Still now, Jake said. I told you to stay still. I know, I just... What if Perdiem isn't what you think he is? What if he's going to do something terrible? Jake chuckled, and when he spoke, his voice was laced with menace. He'll do plenty of terrible things, I'll bet. But sometimes terrible is necessary. You and I, Eric, you can't possibly understand something like him. Something so much greater than us. Greater than anything. Eric didn't move. He didn't speak. He just watched the river. His messy hair caught in the dying storm's breeze. He'll save us, Jake said solemnly. But first, we need to welcome him home. Now go on. Say his name. Guide him. Eric was silent. Say it! Jake bellowed, and I nearly jumped. His voice was so loud that my ears rang. Eric winced at Jake's demand, but whimpered per diem's name all the same. Again, guide him home! Per diem. The air seemed to shift, the clouds growing dark. I wasn't an expert on dark magic or evil rituals, but that didn't seem like an especially positive sign. I was running out of time. Either I moved or I lost Eric forever. Fuck. Jake grunted and the sound of shifting stones filled the night. He adjusted his position while holding a hand to his side, over a blood-matted strip of fur, most likely one of the places Dad had shot him. So I thought regular punishment couldn't kill him but it definitely still hurt him. He groaned, leaning back and stones began tumbling down the shore, clacking into the river with small splashes. Now, I slipped forward, my footsteps in concert with his movements, using his their sounds to mask my own. Yes, this could work. Another stretch from Jake, another step for me. But then he stopped moving, comfortable. At long last, the stupid ape, shit. I was left standing in the middle of the sh- stone shore, halfway between the tree line and Jake. If I risked moving again, there was a good chance he'd hear me, and that I'd be it. Game over. But if I didn't... Almost there, Eric, Jake said, looking up at the darkening sky. Keep speaking his name. Guide him, and you will be rewarded for it, he chuckled. You'll be the body of a god. Eric did, his voice sounding broken, fragile, and scared. Per diem, he said, his shoulders quaking with silent sobs. Per diem, per diem, louder, Jake screamed. He beat the ground with one of his massive fists. He needs to hear you from beyond the veil. Don't he? Shit. I can hardly hear you from here. That answered one question. Jake's hearing and mine weren't so different after all. That was good. I just hoped my head-to-toe mud bath would be enough to hide my scent from him. I ain't gonna remind you again, boy. Say his fucking name and be loud about it. Eric whimpered and I felt te- horrible. But I needed him to speak louder, too. I needed his voice now more than ever. Per diem, he said. Per diem! Good. With each of his shouts, I stole another meter of space. And soon I was close enough that I smelled the rot of decay of Grandma's corpse. Another two steps and I smelled the matted blood on Jake's fur. Being so close to him with such a clear view made me appreciate what a monster he truly was. I shifted the dagger in my grip, swallowed as I tried my best to determine just how I was going to plunge this thing into his heart. Where was his heart, anyway? His torso was massive. It seemed liable to be swimming around in there somewhere. Wait, I thought. What if I didn't aim for the heart at all? No one had cautioned that Jake wouldn't be put down by a few slashes of silver. But maybe I could get the dagger somewhere else to slow him down. His neck or spine. If I could hurt him enough that he couldn't hurt me back, I could finish him through the heart. It was a long shot, but then it was also my only shot. Eric shouted per diem's name again, and I crept forward. One step, then another. Each foot fall guided my brother's voice echoing across the water over the trees and apparently into an entirely different dimension 
I made a mental note to avoid mentioning any of this to my therapist if I survived. She'd already known I was crazy enough. A moment later, I took the final step, coming up directly behind Jake. He ma- his matted brown fur was short and reeked of blood. Even sitting down, he was nearly two feet taller than me. I wouldn't be able to reach his neck. Not reliably. But I could sever his spine. Something moved my periphery and I glanced. Eric had turned around. He was facing Jake now, facing me. Shit, no time. I raised the dagger and plunged it forward. But that moment had been enough. Jake was already moving as the dagger raced toward his spinal column. The dagger sank in his flesh and he let out a shriek of pain. His wounds sparked and sizzled and he stumbled forward, writhing in agony. He was moving though, which meant I'd missed his spine. Not good. I dashed forward, knowing I had the window size of an ant to get this right. I tore the dagger from his back and raised it up, and Jake's arm caught me in the side. I let out a wheeze of surprise as my body flew backwards, landing on the stone shore with a painful crunch, the goggles rolling off my head. Jake! You! Jake bellowed, rising from the rocks. Fresh blood wound its way from his long lower back down to the fur on his legs, and his mouth snarled, its horrible, jagged and broken teeth dripping saliva. You couldn't help yourself, could you, Maddie? Each of his words came out in a small roar, while his entire body trembled with anger or pain. You're a real pain in my ass, and I don't think I care anymore. I think I'm going to kill you. He took a step forward toward me, and it felt like the whole shoreline shook. Sorry, Ma, he said, glancing at my, ma, my grandma's cadaver. It's him or per diem, and I ain't got a choice. I scrambled backwards, beach stones slipping beneath my feet. I knew I needed to stand up. Needed to run. Needed to do anything, but my body was in agony. Jake hadn't held back with that last smack, and it was all I could to do to grasp my panicking lungs. Then I realized how really fucked I was. I'd lost the dagger. Shit! I scanned the area frantically, looking up and down the shore. I must have dropped it when Jake pulverized my ribs. Where was it? There. My heart sank. It was next to a fallen tree, some thirty feet away, and Jake was closing. He was far, much too far. I didn't have a choice, though. I lurched to my feet, ignoring the slicing pain tearing across my body, and then I dashed. Each footstep shot daggers through me, but I gripped my teeth and ran in spite of it. Jake was faster. He left his massive body crashing on the stones in front of me. His hands clenched into fists. Too long, he growled. Have I... Have I let you get away with disrespect? I stepped backward, my will to fight evaporating. Jake was hurt, sure, but I was damn near dying. I wheezed another breath, tasting blood in my mouth, and dropped to a knee. The only shot I had at stopping this was on the other side of a were-sasquatch, and I could barely move. It was over. Damn it! Something warm slipped down my cheeks, and I realized I was crying. I fell to my hands and knees, the tears vanishing on the already wet stones. Damn you, you asshole! Jake's shadow draped across me. Damn me? He kicked at me, and I tumbled my body rolling over the stones and further from the dagger. I slid to a stop on my back, spitting out a mouthful of blood and gazing up at the sky. It had grown so dark. Jake, I said. It hurt to even speak. But I needed to. With everything I had, I sat myself upright. Let me go instead of Eric. Let me be the host, like Grandma wanted. It was all I had left. I couldn't fight him anymore. I couldn't stop him. But maybe I could still save Eric. You don't deserve it, Jake said. He stepped towards me. His demeanor different now. More resolved. It didn't matter what Grandma had wanted. He was finally going to kill me. So be it. I'd given everything I had. And honestly, I was in so much pain that dying seemed easy now. Still, I looked to Eric. I wanted him to know I was sorry for all this. I wanted him to know that no matter what, he was my brother and I loved him. Eric was looking at me. Unmoving, silent, and smiling. What? I blinked. His eyes looked different, narrower. His face had lost the anxious framing from earlier. Now, he looked calm, collected. Eric? I rasped. I let you live because you were family, Maddie, Jake said. I became aware that he was standing beside me now. Eric? I said more loudly. Jake gripped me by my hair and lifted me from the stones. I figured this family deserved to see the world we were making. Figured we were owed it. But my patience just shot. His other hand grabbed my arm and squeezed. The pain was unbearable. I screamed louder and harder than I'd screamed in my life. It felt like my muscles, my tendons, and my bones were being ground to dust. He lifted me to his gaping jaws, pressing them against the side of my head. I'm gonna rip you apart, he whispered. 
limb from limb. Trees shifted in the distance. And what's more, Jake continued, his canine slick with saliva, sliding against my face with every word. I'm going to have a good time of it. Something rumbled in the woods, and Jake paused, sniffing at the air. I hung limp by my hair, rotating slowly before him. The rumbling grew deeper, faster, like a rock slide thundering toward us. Jake tossed me to the ground, and I groaned, my body seizing up in pain. I was faintly aware of something sharp digging into me, but I didn't have the energy or will to take care of it. Fuck, Jake said. The trees parted, and something massive burst out of them. Something angry. I wanted to thank you guys all for listening. If you want to listen to the end of the story, we'll actually finish it up next week. We'll be doing part 13 through 16 to finish up the series. And then we'll be moving on to other things. Um, if you want to get your stories showcased, you can send them over to podcastfear at gmail.com. That's podcastfear at gmail.com. And I will showcase them in one of the future episodes. As always, if you want to keep up to date on what's going on, you can check the uh, Facebook page. That's in the description as well as the Twitter. I just throw the same thing on both. Um, so you're not missing anything if you just pick whichever one you want. Um, and uh, yeah, come back next week for the conclusion. And as always, guys, remember to always face your fears. <laughs> <laughs>